Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Speaking for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, may I present you with this award, you as the Commander-in-Chief of Metro-Golden-Mayer, and Mr. Stromberg, your producer, Mr. Leonard, your director, for the best picture of the year, The Great Ziegfeld. Mr. Jessel, I thank you on behalf of my organization that I'm proud to be the head of that has such men as Stromberg producer, Leonard director, and the artists that made possible the picture that was chosen as the best picture for the year. Proud to be the head of a studio that has five pictures this year competing for honors. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Ah, okay guys, welcome to Awards Don't Matter. Uh, This is a show where we ask about the Academy Awards and we say, does this Best Picture Oscar winner matter or not? My name is Andrew and I'm joined by Dave, uh, my co-host, to discuss Dave is here under duress. Uh, Yeah, you can't see, but he is is holding up a sign that says, SOS, help me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we are going to be discussing the uh, ninth Best Picture winner, The Great Ziegfeld, uh, starring William Powell as The Great Ziegfeld. Um, Dave, because I love you so much, do you want to tell me what the plot of this film is? <laughs> no, 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 Andrew, we were, we were doing so well. We had like two episodes in a row where I didn't hate you. I just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's essentially about this guy who's like, you know, trying to run this sideshow and nothing's working and I don't know. It's a bunch of fucking bullshit. It's fucking terrible. It's, I'm, just, I'm sorry. It's just a bad movie. Like, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be such a bad movie because like, it's got a great cast full of charming people. It's a, uh, it's big and it's bold and it's brash and it should be fun. And I, in the short history of our show, I have never been so fucking bored as when I was watching this movie. Like, there were things, there are things in it that are upsetting, but, like, I couldn't even, it couldn't even, like, drag me out of my stupor to give a shit. Like, you get past the first 20 minutes of this movie, and it is all terrible. Like, there is one scene early in the movie where you have William Powell flirting with a woman, and that that little, like, two-minute scene is probably the best thing in the movie. The rest of it is so, so bad. And that's before Blackface shows up for no reason. Like, it's just like they use Blackface as the, like, you know, the changing of the set. Like, oh, there's the guy in Blackface again. I'm like, oh, God, why? Stop it. There's no reason for this. It actually, for some background, I just watched recently Bamboozled, the Spike Lee movie. So now, anytime blackface is used, I'm affe- I'm especially affected by it and kind of disgusted by it. So this part of this is just bad timing. But like, man, it is rough. Like, it's just it's a difficult movie to talk about because even the bad parts aren't bad enough for you to care. 
and to really like tease apart why it's bad. It's just like, and then a thing happened. Like I, this is maybe only the second or third time in our show where I'm like, what were people thinking? I don't get it. I don't understand. I understand why anyone would see this more than once. I understand why it would win Oscars. And like, this is a movie with Powell and Loy. Like William Powell and Myrna Loy. Like two of the most charming actors of their generation. And one, she doesn't show up until there's like 20 minutes left in the movie. And it's long. It's like a three-hour movie. So it's like, it, and she just shows up and they like, you know, fall in love, I guess, and get married for like no reason. Like it's, they don't even let the two of them play much. Like you get in something like The Thin Man in all of its 900 sequels, which are all the same and all wonderful. And this is just like, this is, the, this is really the first time, Andrew, that this show felt like homework. Like I watched this in, I think, four segments because I was just like, I got to do something else like this. Not even like because sometimes a movie is good, but like exhausting. Right. Like in our last episode, I mentioned Schindler's List. I can understand taking a break from that. There's a lot of rough stuff in there. You're like, I just need to know that the sun is shining somewhere and do something. Uh, but this is not that movie. This is just like, oh, God. And there's no there's no narrative to this movie, really. It's just like they wanted to show just how much money they could spend on big dance numbers that are boring to look at. Like just a lot of feathers. That's that's what we get from the great Zigfield. It's a great amount of feathers and nothing else. God, this movie sucks. I'm so angry at this movie and you in particular for convincing me to do this stupid show. I had to watch this. God, it was rough. Well, at the time, this was considered the. It was the longest film uh, in existence, uh, which that in itself. It still feels like it still feels like the longest it's interminable. movie in existence. Yeah. But I want to I want to touch on like you ask why this particular film would resonate with audiences and why it would succeed and and be a major success yes. and it Edu- was it was yeah it was the biggest film of that year it was a huge success and you know I I wonder about these kinds of films because I would never have known about Zigfield or a lot of the um the the events that are in this particular film uh if it weren't for the great Zigfield because you know when we're talking about the follies and the the reviews the the dancing reviews and the theatrical reviews and stuff like that of the era we have no archival well not no but we have very precious little archival history of that particular time there's no there's precious little footage there's precious little um you know, recordings of what went on in that particular period of time. And yet this particular film carries a lot of the uh, the trademarks off that stage band era. It, it even has uh, people in there uh, who is, uh, Fanny Bryce is actually in this particular film and she was an icon of that time. And it's great that she's given the chance to actually, we have a, a recording of her singing. We have a recording of her stage presence. And I think that in itself is valuable and important. And I'm glad that this kind of uh, narrative is captured on film, that this uh, kind of person, is cap- his history is captured on film, because, yes, it is an important part of history. But documentation doesn't equal quality. And recording of what has gone on does not equal quality. And it's clear throughout this particular film that the the landmarks of what was considered right and accepted in the time is not accepted or, you know, 
warranted or even worthwhile celebrating at all nowadays. Like one of the main things and the main trademarks of who Ziegfeld is as a person is that he continually goes around negging people. And, you know, basically that's how he flirts and that's how he gets his business done. And it's like, you're good, but maybe you should take this part of your dress off and maybe you should just not look so ugly. And it's like, far out, man, just... Settle down. And when it's coming from, I did, you know, an actor like William Powell. I did Powell. have that thought. I did have that thought as I was watching it. Like, is this the first negging on screen? Yeah. Like, it felt yeah. disgustingly modern. Like, I was just like, oh, God, I don't like this. And I like him so much as an actor that I let a fair amount of it slide. Um, and I thought, like, maybe, okay, maybe that's just his way of flirting in the beginning. And he's going to get better. And he just doesn't. Like, he just continues it. Like, I was just like. Oh, I don't, mm, not a fan of this. And like, didn't, uh, didn't one of the actresses in here get nominated for best actor too? Um, the one with the, the, French, <laughs> the French girl, right? She won. <laughs> she won best actress. And so Miss Reiner, we present you with this award for the finest acting during the year of 1936 in the picture, The Great Ziegfeld. Thank you very much. I'm very happy that I got it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that is um, Louise Rayner playing Anna Held. And look, we talk about performances that go to the back row. This is... Uh, oh, I heard this in is. Australia and I wasn't even alive at the time. You know, that's how... <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how big this film is. Um, it, it is a performance and a half. And, you know, she beat out... Uh, some other actresses who I've, I I haven't seen the performances that they gave, but I'm I'm sure that they'll be much better than this. Uh, it's just a debacle. It really is. Um, it, you know, we talk about in in the last episode. I mentioned about how maybe they should give uh, the awards a year or two after the films actually took place, and I really think that they should have just gone top hat. You know, we failed you last year. Here is an award this right. year. We're going to give you the best picture this year because <laughs> we fucked up last year. Um, because this is a mess. It's an absolute mess. And look, I've written a whole bunch of notes about this film. I've written far too many notes about it because it's a horrible film. Um, but I do kind of... <laughs> I don't even want to touch on any of these. Um <laughs> You know, but but one of the questions I do have is that how was Myrna Loy never nominated for an Oscar? Like for the Thin Man, she was never nominated, and for anything else, she was never nominated. And she's the only she is in the last twenty minutes of this film, but she's one of the few redeeming qualities of it. Um, how was she Agreed. never nominated? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one uh, one thing separate from that is I noticed it lost probably the only award it should have won, which was Best Art Direction, because it's oh yeah. You know, it's beautiful to look at. I mean, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of redeeming qualities. Just the film itself, um, but Myrna Loy, I think, is probably a victim of like, you know, there's not there's not that many actors or actresses that like have that much charm that tend to get rewarded. Um, it's got to be big and but like she doesn't give big performances actually, especially for being a comedic actress. Mostly, she's very subtle. And she lets her co-star have the shine. Like, she lets William Powell really have the fun. And she just kind of 
reacts and she does her little bits and she's actually um for the time a tremendously modern actress and i don't think that's what they were looking for you know they're looking for and god love her for this they're looking for betty davis like let me let me go big let me go as big as possible and let me get rewarded for that um i think myrna loy actually would be much uh much better served if she had been born 40 years later like she would have been she would have been a mega star because uh, obviously beautiful and stunning and all that but like just from an actorly perspective, like she wasn't doing what the Academy wanted in the 1930s and 1940s, you know, like even even actors like um, uh, like Catherine Hepburn, um, who's wonderful and wonderful in a lot of things is she makes big stylistic choices. She has a shtick. She's Kate. She does her Kate thing. Um, and Myrna Lloyd didn't do that. She didn't have really a shtick. She let the work speak for itself she let her scene partner speak for themselves and she worked with them and i think that's probably i mean frank it's sad but i think that's kind of still true now in a lot of ways like there's a lot of actors who do really subtle work that don't get rewarded i mean even if you look at daniel day lewis who i love he goes big in a lot of his performances and he kind of always has he does noticeable great work but noticeable work nonetheless um and you know there are you know actresses like you know, I just saw a movie recently this year called Blow the Man Down, um, uh, and Margot Martindale is in it. She has a supporting role. And, like, for my money, it's it's the best performance of the year. Uh, of course, she's getting not a sniff of any awards <laughs> thoughts because, like, you know, it's not it's not big. It's not bold. It's not noticeable. You know, in films like we've talked about this, but films like First Cow is getting probably no Oscar love this year, and it's one of the best movies of the year. And it's not getting that love because it's subtle and it's not going to bring people in. It's going to bring in cinephiles, but like a normal person, they're like, I'm not watching that nonsense. Yeah. Like a film about a friendship in the old days, making cake. I'm not interested in that. So, (laughs) so yeah, I think Myrna Loy is just kind of, you know, she's too good for this world uh, and certainly too good for the Oscars. I know it's shitty to say at an Oscars show, but you know. The Oscars don't always get it right. Oh, they're never going to recover from that burn, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know you heard me. <laughs> well, in my notes, I have written down, this is a, as, as good a segue as I can have. In my notes, I have written down a line of dialogue. I have no idea what it's in reference to. But a line of dialogue from this film is, I do not have to be a cow to be a success. <laughs> and it's like, well... You know, bless bless cows. Cows are great. They they do a lot of uh, they do a lot for us, and we treat them poorly. Um, you know, but this this film is is a cow film. It's a terrible film. Uh, but I, <laughs> I I, I want to touch on one of the things um, that uh, takes place. Uh, so I've written right. So the last we heard before the intermission, because. People, there is a five-minute overture for this film. There is a five-minute intermission. There is a five-minute closing music uh, outro to this film, too. Um, So, you know, at least you know where your bookmarked toilet breaks are if you must endure this film. But I've written... Right, so last we heard before the intermission was that Siegfried was broke as fuck. And now, after the intermission, he flops out the biggest, most elaborate and expensive show because of, well, who the fuck knows? There's reasons... Because reasons. Yeah, he's constantly borrowing and stealing money from his close friend who is like, oh, yeah, no worries, mate. And they have this kind of um, 
uh, sparring relationship with each other that there's like, yeah, it's probably good that Ziegfeld is around and so I'm going to finance his success because he does good quality stuff. But the main showcase point of this film, and it goes on for quite a period of time to the point where I was like, is the last half of this film literally just going to be one of his performances? But it's this massive, grand performance of this musical sequence. And it was huge. It's like this huge kind of cake of a, of a scene, uh, which I think it was like 70 foot high. Thereabouts, um, there's basically unfurling off this staircase where there is countless dancers and musicians and things like that. Yeah, 70 foot in diameter with 175 spiral steps weighing 100 tons. Uh, and it's this, yeah, it's this massive moment in, uh, where a pretty girl is like a melody, which is uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Dance Direction. And it is a show-stopping moment it is a pretty impressive moment and they try to inject this sequence with a whole bunch of busby berkeley-esque dance sequences which fail completely um but one of the one of the enduring aspects of this film that i think has kind of become atypical with the modern oscars is that i watched this and it felt like you could put this on at this year's Oscars and it wouldn't feel out of place. It felt like an Oscar ceremony right there and then. And I know that that's not what the Oscar ceremonies were like then, but it's what they feel like now. Did you get that impression at all? Well, a couple things. One, um, I think as I've mentioned, I think as I've mentioned on the show before, I am a big fan of musicals, but I am not a big fan of this musical. Holy crap. Like, Showstopping, yeah, I guess. Like, I just, it becomes repetitive. It's overlong. It's not, the music itself isn't engaging enough. Like, I just was like, this would have been a great moment had it been but a moment. But it was much longer than a moment. This is like, like you said, it feels like it's never going to end. It feels like this is going to keep going and then the credits are going to roll and they forgot about the narrative because they forgot about the rest of the movie. Why not? Let's just, let's just wrap it up. And I kind of wish that's what they had done. But you're right. It looks like Oscars now in the sense of like this looks like a mockery of what the Oscars are, of what these big events are. Um, and I don't think that's what they were going for. Um, this looks like one of those moments because Oscars usually as their hosts, they usually have a comedian. Right. So this is the moment in the Oscars where the comedian comes out and gets hit with feathers or gets kicked in the chin by a rocket or something like that's what it reminds me of. So it's just it's a mockery of itself. It's just ridiculous. And there's no. There's no point. There's no point to this. We know we know he's a director. Like, and that is literally all that this is giving us is that he directed a show. Like we could we could accomplish this in about twelve seconds of being like, look at all the money coming in. We're doing really well. Done. And maybe have like a two minute sequence that shows off a little bit. But it was almost like it's almost like they had a bunch of extra money and were like, What do we do? Uh I guess do a second dance. And it's like, uh, it was like, it was hard for me to sit through. And again, I love big song and dance numbers. I love them. And I, like, I got to be honest with you, Andrew. 
the scene started and I was with it for a little while and then I started to fade off and I think I like looked at my phone and then I came back and it's still going on. I was like, how is this still happening? Like, I don't know how long it was. You could tell me that scene lasted an hour and 15 minutes and I, I believe you. Oh my God, just stop it. There's no reason for, especially because this is not a musical like we think of Broadway musicals, right? Where it's like people are singing and dancing their lives, right? That would be different because that's like a consistent thing. This is a musical with certain numbers, right? And now we're going to do a song. There is no reason on God's green earth that you should have a 30-minute song and dance number. Even as long as this movie is. That's a sixth of the movie. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Cut but it. I think I think that comes back to the thing of like they this was what was going on at the time in the late nineteen hundred like late eighteen uh, hundreds early nineteen hundreds. That's 1900s. not my so fault, is, Andrew. I know That's it's not, not your my fault. fault. <laughs> I know, I know, but but it uh. lends it, it lends itself to an archival element, which is more of a curio that you should walk past in a museum and go, oh, that's nice. And then you move on to something that's more interesting. And you one should, of the you things... You should run past it as quickly as you can. <laughs> Just run. Run. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, like, were these follies ever entertaining? Like, were they ever interesting? Probably not. But one of the things which near the end of it, and we never get to see it as such, but one of the, the, the final things that Siegfried wants to do is create, he's like, I have this novel idea. Why don't I do what I'm currently doing, but with a plot? And it's like, <laughs> that sounds like a great idea, mate. You should have done that from the get-go. Um, two hours and 45 minutes ago, that would have been yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there is an aspect of me that feels bad for bashing what was the norm in the day because they didn't know any better. But on the same hand, like blackface existed racism existed inequality existed you couldn't be openly gay you couldn't you know there was so much that was wrong back then that we can't just go well it was wrong now and it was wrong back then but they didn't know any better so therefore they get a pass no they don't get a pass (laughs) you don't get a pass at all injustice has existed and i'm not saying that uh, this is on the level of slavery or racism or you know homophobia or anything like that um but it is a slight on cinema and that is what we're focused on and it's a piece of shit. And there's a sequel. There's a sequel no. as well, by the way. No. Right, oh. right. So you're going to love this. Okay, so there's a sequel called Zigfield Follies, uh, which was made a couple of years later. William Powell is in it and for those who have sat through this film, Zigfield is dead at the end of this movie. So how can there be a sequel? Right? How can there be a sequel? Tell Basically, how? how? Ziegfeld Follies, the plot of that is Ziegfeld produces a play from heaven. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. God damn it. Like, I knew it was going to be stupid, but... Uh. <laughs> so he's dead, and they they like, that guy was pretty good. Let's just make up a is story it like way. A, is it like a play for, like, people in heaven to watch? Like, no, no, what no. Is... <laughs> no, no, no. He returns to Earth and makes a, uh, you know, he he makes a play from heaven. God damn it! You have done the impossible, Andrew. You somehow <laughs> made this be worse. Like looking back, it makes it even worse that it spawned a sequel with that stupid of an idea. Oh my god! Like 
Andrew, there are, I don't think there's any movie so far, except this one that we've covered, that I outright will refuse to ever watch again. Like, I just, I just can't. And I think, honestly, it's not, I don't even think it's the worst one we've watched. It's very bad. It's probably bottom two. But the only reason, the only reason it ekes out above anything else is because Powell and Loy are so charming together. And you get just a little bit of that. You get a little bit of that near the end, and you're just like, yeah, those are the two I want to watch. Uh, but 20 minutes out of out of 180, that's that's rough. That's that's not a lot to hold on to. And it's just, I mean, maybe the most joyful part of this, like, hey, it's the wizard from Wizard of Oz. That's it. That's like the biggest like smile I got from this movie. Like, oh, I recognize that voice. That's it. The rest of it is just like so... It's it's almost impressive how tedious this movie is. It's about big shows and big dance numbers and, you know, dramatic actresses. Like, this should be, even if it's bad, it should be fun. Even if it's ridiculous, it should be enjoyable. And there's, like, none of that. Like, all, all the sequences with, you know, like him bringing in the press, the milk baths and all that, that stuff should be really funny. And really enjoyable, but I'm just like, I would like all of you to stop talking. Like, I just, I don't want, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and I won't want you to be here anymore. Get off my screen, but I'm watching this for a podcast for Andrew. So I have to keep watching this. Like, I don't know if I hadn't been assigned this like homework. I don't know if I would have finished it. I don't, I might've just like, look, I, I mean, nearly, I might've like I just left it on in the background. I nearly turned it I almost off tapped out. as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. But this, the sad thing is as well, I think that, um, you know, this is, uh, what year is it? 1937. So things are starting to heat up and get bad in the world. Uh, in two years, World War II will erupt, um, which is going to be interesting to see how um, the, the filmic choice that, that wins then, how that reflects the era as well. We know what that is, Gone with the Wind. Um, but looking at the list of nominees for this year, it was a pretty weak year. And while usually we yeah. would do an extra episode, um, and this kind of film does kind of uh, almost uh, require to have a discussion about something else to say, look, this should have won. But the <laughs> films that were nominated alongside this, you know, I've only seen one of them, which was Dodsworth, which was the first William Wyler film who we will talk about a lot more in the future because he is a he is one of the uh, most deserving and, and highly rewarded uh, directors for the Oscars at the Oscars. Um, Dodsworth is a good film, uh, but I couldn't say that it's worthwhile winning Best Picture. Like it, it it's a good drama. It's a really, really good drama. And that's about it. Um, did you watch many of the other films nominated? Uh, not many. Um, I've, I've seen the Romeo and Juliet, which is very good, but of course, pretty, you know, prestige uh, which is not a big surprise, but I am stuck on the fact that my man Godfrey, which is a wonderful screwball comedy also came out that year, got nominated for best director, best actor, best actress, and no, uh, best supporting actress as well. And yet no best picture nomination. Um, also with Powell in it, they just nominated the wrong movie with him in it. Like, just come on. What are we doing? Like that is probably out of all the like nominees for all these movies, other than like Mr. Deeds goes to town, which is known. Um, I think my man Godfrey is probably the one that has the longest 
kind of shelf life and people still think highly of. And what a better world we'd live in if Andrew had made me watch my man Godfrey instead of the goddamn Greg Zigfield. God damn it. Stupid Oscars. What are you doing to me? Just a poor, poor choice. This is rough. You're right, though. It is a relatively weak year in terms of like, you know, you go down the list and usually if you're like a big film buff, even if you haven't seen the movies, you can go down the list of Oscar nominated movies and be like, oh, I've heard of most of those. Right. Not so much the case in this year. There's a lot of kind of forgotten by time movies. And who knows if they should have been or shouldn't. I can't make that call because I didn't watch a bunch of them like I usually do. Because Andrew was like, no, we're going to record now. And I was like, fine, Andrew. (laughs) Great Zigfield. I just want to get this out of my system. Um, But yeah, they're still even in a weak year. There are choices. And Oscars, you made a poor, poor choice. And I am suffering because of it. Thanks a lot. Academy De- decades the on, worst. they didn't think of you, and and that's that's a real shame. So yeah, um, yeah, they really should have. I yeah. agree. <laughs> but that's it. That, that, that's it. That's what it comes down to. Is that a lot of these films they don't think of the the historical relevance or the historical importance, and maybe they thought that the life of of Ziegfeld was important to restore and and catalog as a historical aspect. Um, I disagree, uh, but. It comes down to the decision-making that the Oscars make. And, and while there is a completely different voting body now as there was back then, um, it, you can't help but wonder how they decide how they're going to vote and why they think that this particular film is most important to um, retain as a historical aspect, historical document, I guess. Drunk, is way Andrew. They were drunk. They were the drunk. Only... <laughs> But but there's also there's also a case of like you know while they they vote for something like this it's clear that they're not thinking of what it's going to mean in decades to come what it's going to say about the time or anything like that and that that happens time and time again uh, there is a rare there are rare times where they actually get the right thing and which we find as we go along um, this film doesn't matter it it never mattered. Um, it's unimportant. It's a waste of time. Oh. Uh, I'm yeah. surprised that you say that because you went on and on about Phantom <laughs> Price. And, oh, oh, God, we got to have the documentation. And we'll go put it in a museum so we can walk by it. Like, blah, blah, blah. But I'm glad that you agree that this movie doesn't matter and the world is a better place if you never watch it. Don't watch The Great Zigfield. Watch literally anything else. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. That's The Great Zigfield. Um, Next episode, we're going to be talking about a film that uh, I know absolutely nothing about, but uh, The Life of Emil Zola. Uh, yeah. But we're heading into, like, I am getting a little bit excited now, Dave. I must tell you, I'm getting a little bit excited. Oh, no. Time to cancel the show. <laughs> Can't have you happy. I, I don't want it. Because okay, we're heading, getting excited. Buddy? Well, we're heading into some some pretty impressive winners. You know, I, I'm very excited to watch You Can't Take It With You. I hear really good things about that. I'm I'm quite deficient in having seen uh, Frank Capra's films, um, so I'm glad for that opportunity. But then we head into films like Gone with the Wind, which I'm really looking forward to that discussion because I know there is a lot to talk about with that particular film, uh, but I'm curious to see... Like, I only watched it for the first time not so long ago, and I'm curious to see how the modern 
perspective it is on that particular film. And then heading forwards to films like Rebecca, you know, I've not seen that and I'm excited to see that. I know Dave is falling asleep on the screen right now. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) I just like, it still wows me. It's like, like, and everyone has these movies, right? Like some of the movies you haven't seen, like blow my mind. Like I was like, you, you haven't seen Rebecca. Like that feels like a movie that you would have seen by now. Like, not in a way of like, you idiot, how could you not have watched this? But it, it feels like up your alley. Like, it feels like it feels like a movie you would have seen and liked. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm also interested to see how Gone with the Wind goes, because I don't think I've seen that in a, 20 years. Like, it's been a long time since I've watched that. It's one of my one of my dad's favorites. But like, you know, and I liked it when I was younger. But like, I think I'm a little bit more, let's say, socially aware now that I was then, so it'll be interesting to to rewatch those. All I know is uh, next uh, next episode, Life of a Millzola better be good because uh, some of the other nominees are really really good. So there's a lot it of better, great it stuff. Better there. live yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's the great Zigfield. That's us. Uh, where can we find you, Dave, on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at darn that Dave, and you can listen to my other my other podcast, Offscreen Death, and follow us on Twitter at Offscreen Death. And you can find us Awards Don't Matter on all the social medias, and you can find me at the Curb AU on both Facebook and on Twitter uh, for all things not this. <laughs> Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.